Welcome to At The Table, the podcast for the SBC Women's Leadership Network. Join the conversations of a collaborative community of women from the Southern Baptist Convention family who long to connect, engage, and encourage one another as they serve and lead in diverse ways to impact the kingdom of God. Pull up a chair, grab your favorite drink, and listen in on what God is doing through women of the SBC. Hey, hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of At The Table. It's Jackie King, and I'm so, so glad that you're here for another conversation of women and leadership in the SBC. I get to invite on today a dear friend that I think many of you probably know, um, and we just have so much to glean from her today just in the area of discipleship. And so today I get to welcome Leslie Hildreth to the show. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. We both are having rainy, gross weather and trash day. So <laughs> we joked before we started recording that there may be some garbage trucks um, supporting our, our podcast here today, but hopefully we will get through it and um, get to share just a lot of wisdom and experience that you have. Man, you have so many hats that I think the Lord has used just in your giftings and in the roles that you've played. So why don't we get started just with a little bit of the get to know you's, where are you from, where do you serve, um, where'd you grow up, how'd you get connected to the SBC, all of those fun things. Wow, that's a lot. Um, so <laughs> I am originally from Slidell, Louisiana, and um, I grew up in Louisiana and uh, moved to Alabama my junior year in high school, and I went to college in Alabama. Um, we served in churches in Alabama uh, in a, the very early age of our ministry and uh, marriage together, uh, but I did not grow up in the SBC world. Um, so I came to faith later in life. Um, you know, I had an experience at an SBC church when I was like nine years old at a VBS that a neighbor had brought me to, and that's kind of where I really heard the gospel probably um, for the first time and really felt a connection to, hey, like, I know I'm a sinner. Um, I know that I don't do everything um, pleasing to Jesus, and I would like to do that. And man, I just, I was drawn to um, what Jesus did on the cross and just the thought of having forgiveness for sin um, in my life, even at a, as a nine-year-old, was just really appealing to me. And so I had an experience at a VBS celebration night where I accepted Christ and um, asked Him to come into my life and to change me. But because my family was not in church and there wasn't um, consistency in the church or no one to come along beside me, um, there was no growth. And mm -hmm. so it wasn't until um, college that I was in an atmosphere. And um, just to kind of back up, my mom and my stepfather became believers late in my high school years. And so with a combination of that going on and just um, the particular college I was at and the things that the Lord was doing in my heart and my life, um, I just had another opportunity to see, oh, this is, this is the pieces I've missed all of these years, and mm -hmm. now it's up to me to make the decision, hey, do I really want to do this? Mm -hmm. um, and so that was kind of neat. But um, I got married when I was 21, and um, my husband was already in the ministry. Um, at the time, he was in student ministry, so in those early years, I spent a lot of time discipling teenage and college-age girls, and then... Um, about four years into our marriage, he took his first pastorate. Mm -hmm. 
in a really small church in Alabama. And um, man, it was interesting to see all of the ways that the Lord um, gave me opportunity to serve Him. Um, I was started writing this stuff down, and I just thought, wow, God really... Um, showed up. I mean, I mm. taught a women's adult Sunday school class at the age of like 25, I think. Um, and most of the women in there were probably, you know, close to twice my age. It, mm. it was really interesting. I also did a lot of outreach in the community. Um, we were trying to get um, people who were on the outskirts of church into the church. And so I was going on a regular basis into the community with a couple of other staff and just teaching the Bible to children. Um, I directed four years of vacation Bible school during that time um, and just served in some other capacities. And it was in that church that uh, about four years into the church that the Lord kind of gave my husband and I a desire to be somewhere where we weren't in the Bible Belt, where there wasn't churches on every corner, mm -hmm. where people didn't have the opportunity to um, hear about Jesus, uh, be told the gospel message, or even have an opportunity to have a place of where there was a community of believers meeting and have fellowship together. And so to make a long story short, that led us overseas. Mm -hmm. um, and so we served eight years um, with the IMB, in two different countries and um, we had children by then and so we spent uh, most of their formative years in two different countries and it was during that time that the Lord continued to use um, both my husband and I in some teaching and leadership um, roles and um, it was just evident that um, especially for my husband that he wanted to put himself in a position to where he could train and equip people for the mission of God. And so mm -hmm. that led us here. Um, we live in Wake Forest, North Carolina, and my husband teaches at um, Southeastern Seminary. And um, we've been here almost 13 years now, and I cannot wow. believe it. I know. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I think it took us, we, we were at like year six or seven, and I think we looked at each other one day and we were like, I guess we live here. Because we were, so, we were so used to just, you know, being so open-handed and moving every time God asked us to do mm -hmm. something different that we just couldn't believe that we had stayed in the same place that long. Um, and so, you know, since we've been here, I've done a, a lot of different things. Um, so at Southeastern, I was able to teach a class in their certificate program called their Biblical Women's Institute. Um, the class is called Preparing for Missions. And so for about 11 years, I taught um, female student uh, or wives of students who were preparing to go on the mission field. And I even had students at some time that um, they just were trying to figure out if they even had a calling to go overseas. They were curious. Um, I mentored female students and student wives for several years. Um, I worked with our wives of our international church planning program. Um, I was very fortunate um, for about eight years of the 13 we've been here. I was able to travel overseas um, each of those years and spend about a week with our wives of our students um, who were serving in different areas of the world and just just really cater to their needs. You know, I would, I would write them before we came and I would say, hey, I'm coming for you. Mm -hmm. So what do you need? 
What resources are you lacking? What questions do you have? What problems are you trying to solve? What kind of encouragement do you need? And I would just, I would just go and love on them and serve them. Um, and then, uh, lastly, I actually ended up working full time, uh, for Southeastern for about four years in what used to be called their women's life program. And basically I was responsible for, um, mentoring, um, our leadership, uh, team of women who were responsible for creating events and opportunities on campus for our female students and our student wives. Um, I headed up social media for women on campus and um, also um, helped a group of women who felt called to teaching um, other women. And so sometimes our churches in the area or in the state of North Carolina would contact us if they didn't have the resources within their own church or the money to uh, pay a speaker to come in and do maybe a retreat or um, an event. And so I would um, help guide these students as they prepared to teach the scriptures um, at these events and retreats. And I would just go and pray pray with them and encourage them um, in that way. And um, after serving about four years um, at Southeastern, the Lord really kind of surprised me and tapped me on the shoulder um, through some elders at my church. I was attending the Summit Church at that time, and they just said, you know, we're looking for someone to direct our women's discipleship in the church, and we're kind of wondering why you haven't applied for this job. And I was really <laughs> shocked because I said, I have a job. <laughs> and they were like, yeah, but why aren't you applying for this job? And I said, well, I just really didn't think about it. And so um, I felt like because the elders, a couple of them came to me, uh, I felt like I needed to at least um, apply and pray and see what God would do. And um, God saw fit that I make that change. And so almost four years ago, I started full time uh, with the Summit Church. I am their women's discipleship director. And basically what that means is I'm a central staff position because we are a church, one church that meets in 10 different locations around the Raleigh-Durham area. If you don't count, um, we're in two prisons now. Um, but uh, I oversee women's discipleship for the church, and um, I have women's discipleship coordinators at each of our campuses, and so I lead that team of women as they... Uh, provide opportunities for women at each of our campuses to be discipled um, and to grow in their faith. So that's just kind of a long answer to, to yes. kind of who I am and uh, some of the ways I've served um, in our Southern Baptist churches and even in one of our entities who's uh, serving um, overseas. Um, and so recently I was asked, um, hey, is this your dream job? And um, I was kind of taken aback. And I said, you know, I don't think I have a dream job. I said, you know, I think I've tried really hard through the years to just really live in a way that I had open hands. And I just, you know, would periodically ask the Lord, you know, what are you, what are you asking of me right now in this season of life? Mm -hmm. And I've just really tried to be obedient in that. 
And I think even just as, and I know we got like the overview, you know, like the sky <laughs> version of it, because there's obviously so many ways that God used you and grew you as you take took next steps. And I think what I really love about your story is even just going back to the very beginning of how you had that experience with the Lord and surrendering your life, but there wasn't that intentionality of discipleship and growth and how much that experience I think has been such an overflow of your desire for people to know Jesus, for the church to love people well and walk with them well as they grow and are walking out their sanctification. And so I love just knowing you and even kind of hearing the overview, you know, summary of your story, just how it points back to how God, um, really changed your life, but then even just that lack of relationship there, how he used that as a catalyst to really grow and invest in other people. Because in each phase that you talked about, whether it was overseas or serving in the seminary or now within the local church, there is just this drumbeat of your heart for people and for them to know the word and to walk and grow in Christ. And so I love that about you. I love all the different hats. And again, I think that's why there's so much just to glean from you um, as you continue to be faithful in the next steps and not be put in a box. So I love that example as well. So let me kind of start to ask you um, some questions because I think as we are diving into the idea of discipleship, you know, and even in the midst of this pandemic, um, a lot of churches are having to shift right now. And so I feel like even discipleship is kind of becoming more and more of a conversation of, okay, we're really getting off of the Sunday morning experience, which maybe was kind of an emphasis in a lot of churches. That Sunday morning, everybody come to the building um, and these big worship services or events. And now because of COVID, that's really not our heartbeat anymore. That's not really our strength right now. And so a lot of the conversation is that we're having to drive smaller and we're having to be more intentional with these discipleship groups. So can you share a little bit, just even from this season, what you've seen at the summit and what, I mean, really y'all have had this foundation for a while now of discipleship. And so what helped before that you had already kind of put into your DNA and what are you seeing now as people are really having to kind of focus in on these discipleship relationships? Absolutely. The church as a whole, our primary um, avenue of seeing disciples made is our small groups. Um, but within women's discipleship, um, one of the things that Al was able to see early on when we first got the order to shut down and go home was that we were in the middle of our Bible studies. It was, you know, our semester of Bible studies. I, I don't remember what week we were on. And we also have what we call equip groups. And I'll, I'll explain what those are in a little bit. But mm -hmm. it was so interesting for me to see that because of the culture we had um, tried to um, establish within women's discipleship and the way that we handle our studies and our leaders um, and we have facilitators for these studies that when we got sent home, before I ever sent out an email or asked our coordinators to send out an email to their leaders to say, hey, we're going to have to make some adjustments, you know, let's move to Zoom or Facebook Live or you know, whatever kind of um, technical um, situation they wanted to choose. Um, the women were already doing it. Hmm. And it was like, we didn't even really had to have to make a whole lot of adjustments. The leaders that we had in place who were facilitating Bible studies, either at the church or in homes, 
you know, as soon as we got shut down, they just automatically contacted their groups and said, okay, um, you know, how many of you are comfortable moving to Zoom? And do you know what Zoom is? And let's, you know, figure out how to make this work or the ones who already knew how to do Facebook Live or some other kind of um, way to get uh, their women together without being in the same room. And so they were already doing it. And that was just, to me, that, that was just so encouraging to mm-hmm. see that our women were so hungry to be in God's word that they weren't going to let um, the changes that were happening around them prevent them from continuing to meet and discuss what they were studying. Mm-hmm. And so that was really cool to see. Um, there was this aspect of, you know, before I said that small groups is our primary way that we want to see disciples made and um, see our people grow in, in their uh, faith and maturity in these groups is that, um, you know, we always have women that will join our Bible studies from our community um, that maybe not might not be a part of our church. And so a lot of it's invitation from neighbors or coworkers. And so one of the things we've had to do um, on a bigger scale is figure out, um, especially once the Bible studies ended and we were still, you know, not meeting in person as a church was how do we figure out how to connect these women so that they're just not lost or don't have any support um, during this such a precedented time where right. people are just searching for hope um, and trying to deal with crisis after crisis. And so that was when, you know, I saw a couple of things happen. We had women that were um, trying to connect those women to small groups. We were actually, as a church, forming brand new small groups because there were people who had been attending our church for years but never got involved in a small group. And then this crisis happens and they realize, I need people. I need yeah. community. Yeah. I need people who, who know me and know my needs and that we can encourage one another, support one another, help meet needs together and that kind of stuff. But we also had women who, um, like I said, had um, maybe been invited by a neighbor or a coworker to a Bible study. The studies ended. Now what? You know, help this woman get in a small group. Another thing that happened was we had women that were leading uh, in the Bible study facilitator capacity who said after the studies were over, I'm just going to start another study. I'm going to get another resource and the same group of women, we're going to go through another study together. And they just kept going. Um, typically during the summer, we take a break from our Bible studies and our equip groups and we do something a little bit lighter because people are traveling and, um, you know, kids are home and their schedule is a little bit different. Um, and so we typically do, um, some sort of a book club. Um, and so we were seeing women just say things like, yes, I want to do the book club, but Hey, I want to do some more organic things in my neighborhood or with my community at work. And so it was so encouraging just to see all the organic things that were happening as well because women were just so hungry for community and to be in the Word of God. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm, what I love that you're kind of highlighting, because I know, you know, doing women's ministry for so long, I think it's kind of gotten the rap that like women's ministry, it's its own beast. Like, I don't know how many times I've heard that, you know, and it becomes this its own entity, you know, within the church and it's completely separate. And so what I love that you're kind of pointing out is that those even before COVID hit, those relationships, those Bible studies that you had, those opportunities to bring in people from your community, those neighbors, those coworkers, that has been a launching pad really to connect them even more so now into small groups and uh, opportunities to meet needs and connection. And so it it's a beautiful picture, I think, of what you just showed of how they're all supposed to kind of integrate together, you know, that we're not doing our own thing, we're our own branch of the church, but that we're able to use those connections, those touch points that women may want to come to a Bible study, but they haven't come to a service, and you're able to kind of bridge that gap. And I think something also that you're saying that is really standing out that I'm really curious about is how intentional your leaders are, and how much they, you know, you, Leslie, as one person could not like handle all of that, you know, and like you already are managing so many different Bible studies and women that are facilitating different things. And so what I find really encouraging is that your leaders and what you've been prepping them for, they really showed up and let out in this season. So I'm a little curious, like, what does that leadership structure look like? I know you said some different terms of like a Bible study facilitator and the equip groups and all of that. So can you maybe like paint a picture of what your system looks like and how you develop those leaders. Cause I'm like, man, I want, I want my women to do that. I want them to stand up. You know, it takes so much pressure. I think off, off of us is the main one, you know, that's trying to coordinate and things. And so it sounds like you've done a phenomenal job in doing that. So can you maybe share a little bit about just what your process and system looks like? Absolutely. So we look for two things. We look for women who want to follow and obey Jesus And we look for women who want to serve others. Because let's face it, it is really easy to find women who want to to be on a leadership team because they want to, number one, be in the know, and they want to be a part of making decisions. Yeah. But it's not so easy to find women who are willing to obey and women who want to serve other people. Mm. And Thank so, you for saying that. I think that <laughs> I hope that takes a lot of load off. I think that's a really good distinction in what to look for. Okay, keep going. I'm yeah. sorry. No, it's okay. And so basically, um, our structure is we have um, women dis- women's discipleship coordinators at each of our campuses who are responsible for creating opportunities and initiatives for the disciple making process to happen at their campus amongst women. And so each of those coordinators have leadership teams and depending on the size of the campus will kind of show how big their teams are. So our smaller campuses might have three to five members on their leadership team, whereas a larger campus might have up to 10. And so basically those leadership teams are the ones who really take on um, the work of owning some of the specific things that we do all the time uh, in women's discipleship. So I mentioned Bible studies. So at one campus, there will be somebody on the leadership team who is responsible for caring for Bible studies. And that means a lot of things. I mean, it, it it's getting together Bible study facilitators, being over the training and equipping of those facilitators. You know, we don't ever want to put a woman 
at a table with another group of women to facilitate discussion for a Bible study and not tell them what they need to know to do that. I mean, we want, mm-hmm. we want to give them, um, everything possible that will help them do it in a way that's going to allow for a great conversation around God's word, um, to, to use the resource that we're using, um, to study the word together, um, to point to the right things to talk about, um, to help that woman navigate, you know, something that comes up in discussion. I mean, there's, all kinds of things that happen at the table when you start meeting with women, right? You have mm-hmm. good discussion around God's word, but you also have things that come up where, you know, women are sharing very deep needs and concerns yeah. from the home. And so you need to have a woman that's trained and aware of, hey, what do I do with that? What's the best next step? And so we're really um, intentional about making sure that we train and equip the people that we're asking to lead in any capacity. Mm-hmm. We also have what we call um, equip groups, and we don't have them at all of our campuses. We have them mainly at our larger campuses because it takes a while to develop leaders and to multiply your leaders. And so the equip program is basically a more intense study of God's word. It's it's one discipler to about two to three disciples that are together and they're looking at scripture and talking about how to do observation and interpretation and application. And there's more um, accountability when it comes to memorizing scripture together and um, talking about, okay, how are you taking the concepts of what we're learning and replicating them? Um, we have conversations about, you know, because we learned this, uh, how is that affecting your life? How is the, the word transforming you? How are you taking the things that you're learning and bringing them into your home life and outside your home life? Um, it's just more intense. And so, um, we also have, you know, the aspects of, you know, we have to communicate, right? So we have people who take on the responsibility of um, social media accounts or uh, emails that go out to communicate what we're offering for women, what's next, how to connect them. We have women who oversee um, what we call coffee and connections. Uh, we are a large church, and one of the things that we realized early on was that we had women that got lost. They would just show up to services and they would say, I don't know what women are doing. I don't know what opportunities there are for women. I don't know how to meet women. I don't know how to know if a woman that walks past me um, has been at the church 10 years, five years, or they showed up this morning just like I did. (laughs) And and so we uh, started offering uh, these monthly coffee and connections. And so uh, we just wanted to have an atmosphere where women could come. They could learn about women's discipleship. They could meet some women and they could figure out, hey, what's my next step? Uh, if you're not a member of the church, you know, here's our start, starting point um, and walk them through that. If you've never been involved in a Bible study, this is your opportunity. This is the next time it starts and that kind of stuff. And so we have women on leadership teams who own that aspect where they're uh, planning those, they're managing those. Because like you just said, Jackie, one person cannot do all of these things. Right. And not only that, but God hasn't gifted one person to be able to do all of these things well. And so one of the other things I love about 
um, sharing ownership in that is watching a woman figure out, hey, I'm really good at this and I'm really passionate about this and this is a way that I can serve my church and serve the body of believers um, and the women that I love and want to walk alongside in this way that benefits all of us and not mm-hmm. just myself. You know, yeah. I think women, we get caught up in this, um, <laughs> this power thing and, you know, see me, see me, I don't want to be seen, uh, kind of, uh, atmosphere, um, because of the pressures of social media. When you look at platforms and Instagram and, um, all of those kind of things that we forget that we, the things that God has created us, um, the things that he's gifted us in are not for ourselves. They're for others. Yeah. And so, um, it's just been cool to see, um, that. So basically, you know, we have opportunities for women to figure out where they fit in. They can lead in that capacity. But in order to see multiplication, you have to have the culture and the language from the very get go that you're saying there's a place for you. And, one of the things we try to show women is if your gifting and your passions don't line up with a specific thing that we're doing in women's discipleship, we are going to champion you and we're going to connect you to another area of ministry in the church. And we are going to bless you in that. Um, so it's nothing like, hey, we're not trying to snag everyone for our team per se. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we're all on the same team. And so I love it even to see like women who come to a Bible study and they get connected to women's discipleship and you find out they have a huge passion for kids. And so you walk them over to the kids director and you say, Hey, this is so-and-so she's over kids ministry, you know, figure out how you can serve in kids. Yeah. Um, yeah. I love it. Um, and I agree. I think that one of the most fun parts about being a minister to women is that you get to be the connector, you know, and mm-hmm. so, and I'm an extrovert. So I love, um, just finding out and asking tons of questions to people, probably to where it feels a little bit too much of an interrogation, but, um, you know, just finding out people's stories and then you get to connect them not only to ministry and their giftings, but also then to one another. And, um, I think just how much you've talked about social media and connection and facilitating and just all of these different roles to where it's a, I mean, it's really what the heart of this podcast is. Like we want to be able to use our gifts and leverage them to the kingdom of God. And so I think as a leader to women, you have just so clearly shown like there's so many different areas. And then I think one of the joys and also responsibilities that kind of lands on our shoulders is that we need to steward that well. And so like a lot of what I am thinking as you're talking is like it's wrong and almost kind of selfish of us to try to maintain and manage everything on ourselves Mm -hmm. and to do everything ourselves ourselves and that there is so much more beauty. There is so much more involvement and investment and really even buy-in from our women when they get to be a part instead of just attending something. And so I really appreciate just how you have laid out just so many different areas that a lot of us can think through now, like, oh, well, who could fill that role for me? Or how am I maybe not even talking about connecting women because I'm overwhelmed with so many other things and who can I bring alongside me? And so I love just the whole process and the way that you have thought through things, but then also how you have led them to be able to use their gifts. I think that's such a great example for all of us in leadership. So 
Um, I can't believe we're running out of time. <laughs> okay, so let me throw this one at you really quick, and then we'll end with um, a leadership nugget. So um, just kind of real quickly, what would you say to the woman? Maybe she is kind of sitting here, and she's like, okay, I don't do that. I don't do that. I need to do that. Or, you know, like just kind of going through and just maybe feeling like discouraged. Maybe she was in a ministry or in a church to where it really was heavy events. And mm-hmm. now um, we can't have events, you know, and so the calendar's clean. So what would you encourage her just in her first couple steps of really trying to cultivate this discipleship culture within her women, within her church? How would you encourage her to start? So I had a phone call about a year ago from a woman that I've never met and still haven't met. Um, she probably lives maybe three or four hours from here. And mm-hmm. she just came across our website and my information and just called me. And she was kind of in that situation where she was in a church that was just mainly events and programs. And she just had a real heart for seeing women study the word. And she just really was discouraged. Um, and I think my answer to your question would be the same as my answer was to her. And that is that, um, you be faithful. You be faithful to, um, what you know is important. And that is being in the word of God. And as a disciple, we are commanded in scripture to make other disciples. So you need to take people alongside you as you are following hard after Jesus and you are trying to grow as his follower. And so I would say to the woman who might not know what to do next is start with one. Yeah. Because I think so many of us get overwhelmed and um, we have never started with one, right? And so we find so many in the church who say, I don't even know how to do this. Um, it's never been done for me before and I don't know how to do it for others. And so if you're faithful and start with the one, take one lady and you and this person go through the word of God, whether you use a resource or you just, um, just open up the Bible and choose a book and just start reading together and asking one another questions and praying with each other, memorizing together, holding each other accountable, but to be faithful to that one. Now, if you've already done that and you're more mature than that, I would say start as a group, whether it's, you know, women in your small group that you can pull away and, and uh, study the word together um, another day of the week or evening of the week, or if it's neighbors, if there's um, a neighborhood uh, community that's already established where you're already hanging out with other moms because of your children hanging out and playing together in the neighborhood and you feel safe doing that um, with the COVID restrictions, um, ask those women to gather and study scripture together. Um, but, you know, I think we try to make it a bigger thing than it is. Yeah. You know, it's just a simple meeting with another person with a book of the Bible open, reading together, asking each other questions, um, going to the word for the answers, not going any other place and encouraging each other in that, um, praying for one another, um, holding each other accountable, um, encouraging, uh, just that spiritual growth that has to happen. Um, in order for any kind of transformation to be seen. Mm -hmm. And um, it reminds me, 
uh, of like a teaching girls Bible study in my parents' uh, living room, like this little bitty group. And, you know, it didn't feel flashy or big. And even thinking back, like it was so bad. I mean, just some of my theology mm-hmm. and the ways that I said, you know, but man, did I learn a lot about being intentional and walking alongside those girls. And I learned a lot about how to study the Bible, you know, and those kind of things. And so I think we really want to jump. I think even you talking about it earlier with platforms and thinking big and flashy. And there's so much ministry, so much leadership development that happens in the small. And um, and so I really appreciate just that encouragement of find a couple women, get around the word together, be vulnerable with one another, like share life with each other, and then just watch and see what God does, you know? And then I even was thinking, you know, those are the women that I'm looking for as a women leader, you know, that those are the women that are doing it day to day, that are trying to find women and be Jesus to them and live out the gospel. Like that's who I want on my leadership team, you know? Um, And so I think there's just a lot of beauty in going back to the basics of how are you doing this with just a few and allowing God to grow you in those seasons. So I just, I really appreciate all that you've shared. It's all been so good. So as we wrap up, um, are there any other kind of just last minute, like leadership nuggets? We've got women listening from all different kinds of service and um, overseas and all of that kind of thing. So what would just be a final encouragement to women in the SBC that are trying to serve in their giftings? I would say, um, one of the things that I'm learning is it's good for leaders to um, read books on leadership and glean from other leaders and learn things, listen to podcasts from leaders and read, you know, go to conferences on leadership. Um, all of those things are good and helpful. But I think the most important thing and the thing that we are losing is the time that leaders spend in God's word and in mm-hmm. prayer. And, um, you know, we, we have become just really, really busy doing and we are forgetting how to be. And what I mean by that is we we're forgetting to be at his feet. We're forgetting to be silent before him. Um, and I think that that's something that's just really dangerous. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, um, I would say just remember that the other thing is this, um, just remember that you don't need to be doing it alone, that um, you have the Holy Spirit as a believer, and um, you better be de- depending on that Holy Spirit to yeah. um, to lead you and guide you and direct you, um, and you better ask the Spirit um, for what you need. Um, and then the other thing is, remember that you also have the body of Christ. Um, when I got hired at the summit... Um, I had someone ask me something like, you know, how do you feel about this? I mean, you've just been given the task of being uh, responsible for overseeing the discipleship of over 6,000 women. How does that feel? And I said, well, I, it is a huge responsibility. I don't want to ignore that. But at the same time, I'm not doing this alone. Yeah, You know, I've got to yeah. depend on the Lord. And I also have this whole body to help me. You know, um, and it goes back to what we talked about earlier, and that is finding other women who also want to follow and obey Christ and who want to serve others. And then we do it together. Yeah, for sure. Yes. Oh, 
So good, Leslie. Thank you so much. Absolutely. I, <laughs> I'm I really so enjoyed encouraged. it. Um, and I hope, I think this is just a really practical episode um, for all of us. I mean, everybody in their roles, no matter where you serve or where you live, like you should be discipling someone. You should be um, gathering over the scriptures with others. And so um, I really hope that those of you that are listening are just encouraged that maybe you've kind of been shown some areas that like, hey, I could work on that. Or who can I start to pray about that would come alongside and help me. Um, and I think even more so, it's been a theme throughout this entire episode is that we're not supposed to do this alone. And so I hope that you feel a little bit lighter in the task that go sit and be with Jesus and then pray for him to bring other women around you to go have fun and worship him and serve him together. Yeah. So Leslie, I, I just appreciate you. I'm always so encouraged after all the conversations that we have. I'm thankful, so thankful that you're in our tribe um, and that we get to glean just some wisdom and insight from you and your story. So thank you for joining us today. Absolutely. Thank you, Jackie. Yes. And as always, we love that you came and um, spent some time across the table with us. And so I hope that you'll share this podcast with some of the women that maybe you know, and maybe even some of those that are on your radar to serve together with. So maybe you listen to it and then come together and talk about it over a cup of coffee. But whatever it looks like, I hope that you know that you are loved, that you are prayed for, and that you are cheered on as you serve God in the kingdom. And we will see you next week for another episode of At the Table. See you then. You have been listening to At The Table, the podcast for the SBC Women's Leadership Network. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review the podcast on iTunes and share this with your friends and other women in the SBC. They'd also love to connect online with you at sbcwomen.net for more resources and for you to join the conversation with women all across the globe who are serving in kingdom mission. Thanks for listening.